Every business should have access to high-speed internet, no matter where they are. But getting fast speeds in rural Canada hasn't always been easy, which meant less reliability, scalability, and connectivity. ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions has the network to help you do business virtually anywhere in Canada. With extensive fiber, fixed wireless, and satellite networks, we're bringing the high speeds of the big city to small towns, to tiny towns, and even no towns. No matter your business size or location, get connected today with ExploreNet Enterprise Solutions. Are you ready to clear a new path? Welcome to Clearing a New Path podcast, a space for the underrepresented voices of women entrepreneurs in rural Canada. I'm your host, Shauna Ray. Each episode, guests will speak authentic truth because it's the truth that connects us. Each one inspires us all to take up space within our own communities and within the business world, reminding us that each path can be messy and unique. Join us on the journey, clearing a new path. Marchand is the founder of Baron Fox Apparel, based in Ember, Ontario, which is in Oxford County. The brand is named after Erica's children, and they are one of the many reasons why she created the business. Erica grew up immersed in the outdoors, hunting, trapping, and fishing. She wanted her brand to exemplify that heritage. Not only would the business be named in honor of her children, but she wanted it to be a nod to the Canadian lifestyle that she holds near and dear to her heart. Although Erica excelled in school and worked at various other careers, she is happiest being a rural entrepreneur, building her business, and building her brand. Okay, Erica, where do you hail from? Where in rural or remote Canada are you? Okay, so I grew up in Timmins, northern Ontario. So Timmins is like, you know, 10 and a half hours north of Toronto. And then um, it's kind of weird now because I can break my life into three different, you know, decades that I'm that old. I spent most of my childhood in Timmins. Then I moved to Goderich, which is about three hours from Toronto, spent 10, 12 years there. And for the last 10 years, which is crazy. I've been in Embro, which I like to say is in between Stratford and London. Um, and it's about an hour and a half from Toronto. And let's start at the beginning of your entrepreneurial journey. How did your professional life and maybe personal life too lead to you becoming your own boss? It's something I never even considered as a career path or job. I was 
a very good student. I had great grades and I just really had no idea what I wanted to do. I had often been kind of like pushed into teaching because, you know, I'm fairly personable. You know, I can hold people's attention when I speak. Like I'm, so that, that all comes very naturally to me. So I, as a good student, applied to university for teaching and it was halfway through my first semester. I was like, you know what? Yeah, I don't fucking really like kids. So I don't really like, I don't want to do this, but I'm not a quitter. So I finished (laughs) my (laughs) undergrad in English and pop culture. And then I decided I was going to do event management because people are always getting married. So I was like, I'll be a wedding planner. Did that. And I loved it. And then I ended up moving to buttfuck rural Ontario to Embro where, you know, you have to commute no matter what, like there's not much in Embro in terms of jobs, but I just, I didn't want to work evenings and weekends, which is when events are. So then I worked at a golf course for a few years, no aspirations to start my own business went to school for a third time, third time's a charm, and did medical office administration. Worked there for five years. While I was working there, I had started a side business. My husband had purchased a cricket for me, which I mean, cricket must get some kind of royalty for every time a business says that that's why they started their business because they were given a damn cricket. And I would make like, you know, t-shirts or whatever for like bachelorettes, baby announcements, shit like that. And then after I had my second child, I kind of had this idea because it was taking so much time and effort in terms of designing, pressing, creating, and there wasn't a whole lot of uh, like repeat designs. So it just felt like I was working harder, not smarter in my, and I never even really considered like Critters Creations as a business. It was really more of like a fun hobby that made me some play money. It Like there was no business plan. There was nothing. So then I kind of thought, well, what if I had a clothing line, like a sub part of Critters Creations, that's all like the same logo and like the same style. And that's how Baron Fox was kind of born. I am very much like a pit bull. Once I get an idea, I just like chomp down and I won't let go. And so it was this kind of wild idea I had in the middle of the night that just within like two weeks, I was like, no, I'm doing it. This is what I want to do. This seems to be like a smarter route to go. And then from there, it snowballed from a potential hobby to a side gig to now it is my full-time gig. That's what I do, (laughs) which is wild to me. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, two questions. And, and it's because I don't know much about the clothing industry. What is a cricket? And also, how long now have you been doing it? (laughs) Okay, so a cricket is, I don't even know how you fucking describe it. My husband always has like the perfect words. It's basically like you can cut vinyl or um, adhesive, but you can basically heat press it onto mugs. You can heat press it onto t-shirts, whatever. It's like a crafter's kit is essentially it. You can make greeting cards, like anything that you can DIY guaranteed cricket has their hand in it. And I'm a very creative person. He, and I, I scrapbook a lot, or at least I used to <laughs> before Baron Fox, 
so that's actually why he purchased it for me was it was going to help me with my scrapbooking. I can make all these little like decals and shit for my pages. Um, and it never once have I used it for that. I just immediately started making t-shirts like with funny shit on them. So that's a cricket and that's a gateway drug for a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in the apparel industry. I think how long have you been doing it now? Critters creations was around for two years. And Baron Fox launched in 2020. So I'm in my third year. Two years Critters Creations, two years Baron Fox. So four years. It's wild. How did you decide on the brand? What does Baron Fox mean? When I got the idea in the middle of the night, breastfeeding my second wild child, I was trying to figure out, okay, like if I'm going to name it something, I want it to be meaningful. Growing up in Timmins, I have I come from a very long line of outdoorsmen. So hunters, trappers, anglers, outfitters, like that's a very strong part of my beliefs, my morals, my my life. That 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 is part of my heritage. I wanted it to be something that would maybe pay homage to that somehow. Um, I wanted it to be Canadian in like vibes, like very Canadiana. I love this country. I'm extremely proud to be Canadian. And I wanted that to be played into the clothing brand as well. And I wanted somehow my kids to be incorporated into it. And I didn't really know how that was going to look. I initially thought I would call it Low and Co. My daughter being Lauren, we call her Low. And then I felt bad that the that Freddie would just be Endco. <laughs> you just get to be a company. Um, so then, <laughs> so then I kind of started like playing around. Like, well, I know I wouldn't want to wear something with like people's names on it. Like that's that's just not my vibe. When I was pregnant with my daughter, we were those annoying people who didn't know if they were having a boy or a girl. So we called. Well, her, we called her the cub. And then when she was born, she kind of got a bunch of like outdoorsy bear things, whatever. And then in true second child form, uh, we didn't name my son anything while I was pregnant. I was just miserable and fat and pregnant. And then when he was born and we told everybody his name was Freddie, he was gifted so many fox things. So very organically, it seemed like bear and fox was really tying in all these different aspects that I wanted from the brand, which in hindsight is kind of fucking wild. I had no idea what it was going to grow into, but to have these thoughts of what I wanted the brand to be before even having a logo, you know, and then for the name bear and fox to really kind of pull it all together. It just seems like a very like, you know, the universe was coming together that day or that night, I guess it was late at night when, <laughs> when all this happened. That's an amazing story. You must have run up against some challenges. Can you talk about some of those as, as an entrepreneur, as a rural entrepreneur, as a rural entrepreneur, who's a mom and as a rural female entrepreneur in industry <laughs> that is very competitive. There's lots of shit out there for any entrepreneur to have to overcome, for sure. I really try not to focus on being a CEO or a girl boss or a mom pr- mom 
entrepreneur or whatever they call it. I really try and keep that identity separate, not because there's no strength in it, but I want equality across the board, you know, and there's a lot of like male led businesses in my area. And I often think like that they don't get the same opportunities that women do because there's such a big push for like women entrepreneurs. And I understand that, you know, there's obviously a history of like white males sitting at the table and women not. I get that. But I will also say in the same breath, being a girl, being a mom, there is shit that you have to deal with that if I was a single girl, I wouldn't have to deal with. For instance, my work day is between nine and three because before nine, I'm a mom and after three, I'm a mom. And there are days where you just don't have the time to get done what you want to get done in the day. Those can be very trying times. Being in a rural area and starting what I want to be a national brand has its difficulties as well. You know, I'm not in Toronto, so I can't just walk down my street and go and find some amenities. So wholesale retailers or even printers. There's just not the number of people here for me to expand to, which is why social media and like being a web-based business has really been a perk for me because, you know, I'm not just locked into Oxford County. The community here has been absolutely incredible. They've welcomed me with open arms. I feel like Baron Fox is a staple in the county now. And now I'm just looking to keep growing. I do want this to be a national brand. I have five retailers in Ontario, all like relatively like Oxford County area. But I do have one retailer in Asoyos, BC. And to me, that's just like the first step of like breaking out regionally. And she's also a female business owner. So like we kind of can chat about that. And we connected that way as well, which is really cool. And you are a web-based business and you have run into some issues with all of those things, like everything that has to do with online, there's always a chance that you can have issues there and you have faced some of that. Yeah, um, I've dealt with some shit that I really honestly never thought I was going to have to, maybe naively thought I wouldn't have to. Uh, So most recently, my website crashed. So that sucks balls, because it's really hard to, you know, make sales when people actually can't access your sales platform. Secondly, social media. So I pride myself on my social media, I have spent a lot of time really digging into the algorithm, really digging into how to grow organically, naturally on social media. I had an Instagram account, Baron Fox Apparel, and I would go and try and get it verified every month. Um, For anybody listening who doesn't know what that means, when you're on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, any social media platform, any page you're on that has a little blue check mark, that means that that's a verified account. So you're talking to the real Kim Kardashian or whatever. Right. Um, But I wanted to be verified because every time I ran a giveaway, 
there would be so many bogus accounts that would come up and try and rip off your followers, like look for credit card information and shit like that. Um, I've had my logo try and be ripped off from all of these things. So I wanted to verify my account for those purposes. And I would try every month. And every month, inevitably, I get denied because I, before I got hacked, I had 6,500 followers, which I love. And it was getting me close to my 10,000 follower goal. But I knew like realistically getting verified, you have to have, you know, 30,000, 100,000, a million. Like I know that I'm playing with big fish. So I actually received an email saying that my appeal for verification had been um, accepted. And all I had to do was click a link and take them to my Instagram page. And I did. And I basically handed over my Instagram. And then I was in a podcast meeting which if I had not been in a podcast meeting, I maybe could have caught this in time, but I didn't. And I came home and I had a WhatsApp message from Instagram telling me that they had access to my account. And if I wanted it back, they would ha- I would have to pay them $500 in Bitcoin. And I was absolutely devastated. My response, I still have all the screenshots. My response to them in all caps was fuck you. I was so mad. I instantly made a new account because I was like, what are they doing in my, it, it felt very violating. Like someone is wearing my underwear, right? Like what are they doing in my account? How are they interacting with my community? What are they doing with my content? They could go through my content and like, you just start thinking the worst things they could upload. Like porn like they like they have access to it and people think it's me eventually you know i was able to get the word out there that it wasn't me i had the community was incredible they were telling me all of the messages that they were sending all the stories that they were posting and i was screenshotting everything uh spoiler alert the instagram support system like doesn't exist so you know they're not they they didn't do anything it was very frustrating eventually we got the account shut down so i at least i knew my name my brand wasn't going to be affiliated with like i said these terrible things that can be on the internet i'm not going to be getting the account back instagram has been like completely radio silent on this whole thing which is extremely frustrating and it's happening more and more to other small businesses and i shouldn't say small businesses it, it happens to all businesses zoe potter is a tiktok influencer, I would say, and Instagram. She had 50,000 on Instagram and uh, she just lost her account for no reason. And Instagram's not getting back to her. And that is literally her business is social media. Like that is devastating. I was chatting with somebody this week about the hack. And I said, I was like, it really sucks as a business to lose the platform that I had built my business on, but it's not my business. My business is apparel. I have a website, knock on wood. I have a mailing list. I have, I I have other means of making money, but for somebody like Zoe, like that really sucks, right? Like how do you rebuild 50,000 followers? You don't, right? Like, oh, my heart goes out for her. Well, let me ask you, I love watching your videos. I love following your accounts. And how did you learn how to do that? Because 
there aren't a lot of like you can't really go to school to find that out. I mean, you can pay someone who is a mastermind in digital marketing to show you how to create a community and how to create a brand, but you did that all on your own. How did you figure that out? There's different aspects of building the brand that I totally understand. So when I launched January of 2020, I had invited like 20 different business owners to come and be the models for me. So not only did I want to show solidarity in the community, and this was before COVID, like this was January, COVID wasn't a thing. If we had known that we weren't going to be able to do this kind of stuff, we probably would have like had a few more mimosas in the bush. But I invited them all. So in each photo I upload, I can tag the business owner, the business, I can tag my photographer, and I can geotag each photo. So minimum, I'm tagging four people in every photo, which gets you four times the reach on your photo, which to me, I don't think is like revolutionary, but maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe not everybody's doing it. But to me, I'm just like, they came and supported me. So I'm going to support them back by giving them that tag, giving them that photo. They can use it on their socials. They can share it. They can do whatever they want with it. So that was one way that I grew exponentially. Another way was I locked in on what I think is a pretty badass logo. It resonates with a lot of people. When I first started my Instagram, I just put the logo up and said, coming soon. And within a week, I had a thousand followers. And I don't know if that's because people were drawn to the logo or if people were curious. I don't know like what the perfect combination is. There's just like a lot of aspects to it in terms of making TikToks and reels. That does come from a lot of tutorial based videos. My husband used to say like, all you do is scroll TikTok. And then I would show him, oh, this is like what I made today. And he's like, holy shit. Like, how did you know how to do that? I'm like, because I watched how to TikToks, like how to do it. And now I just know how to do it on my own that you can play with it a little bit. And part of it also comes from, I'm very comfortable in front of a camera, in front of a microphone. I'm very comfortable that way. Uh, My family, we had a hunting TV show a lifetime ago. So it's not weird or freaky for me to be in front of that. For some business owners, it is. That's not what they want to do. And that's totally fine too. And I find now like Baron Fox having like a slight brand shift. I'm stepping back a little bit on my Instagram, but my TikTok is like the same shit. Like it's just fun throwaway content. This is where my business is growing, where my Instagram, I'm trying to make it a little more like polished and curated. What keeps you up at night? You're a mom and an entrepreneur, and there's a lot (sighs) happening in the world right now. What keeps you up at night? I'm basically a cucumber with anxiety. So everything. (laughs) 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 I think about what's going on overseas and like, I can't, I can't even think about it because it just brings me to tears. Oh, fuck. It's terrible. I think about my kids a lot because especially I feel like right now I'm doing a lot of growing personally because of the hack and professionally. And I'm asking so much of them, you know, like I can't play right now. I need to hammer out this website. I can't go for a walk right now. 
I'm writing a speech. I can't let, and I feel like, you know, there's not enough hours in the day. Actually, I take that back. There's not enough days in the week. (laughs) That's, that's it. And, you know, I think about them. I think about my husband because again, I'm asking so much of him for me to take this leap of faith, quit my job, do this full time. I am leaning on him financially, like within the house, right? Like, Hey, you know, in five, 10 years, (laughs) I laugh. We'll be millionaires. But like, you know, bear with me now because it's going to be worth it, but we have to grow there and you can't, you can't grow a business while you're giving somebody else eight hours of your day. I think a lot of people can relate to that. I think a lot of women entrepreneurs can relate to all of those things that you said. You have a podcast. I did not know that your family had a hunting show. That's amazing. Can you talk a little bit about your podcast and also uh, how it got started and all of those things? And then we'll um, direct people to it as well. Sure. In 2020, I was nominated for Outstanding New Business with the Woodstock Chamber of Commerce. And I went batshit crazy nominating all the the businesses in our community because it had been such a trying year, you know, two weeks to flatten the curve and everything. And I had nominated Kintor Coffee. So Todd is the owner of Kintor. He's one of my pickup locations. We had grown close over COVID, over 2020. Every time I would go in to drop off parcels or grab a coffee, we'd end up chatting for like 40 minutes about business. And, you know, we really helped each other grow in different ways. So he's a wholesale business. I'm obviously mostly web-based. And we are able to teach each other about the different aspects that we could use in our own businesses. And I nominated him for Outstanding New Business. So I fucking lose to Todd, (laughs) (laughs) which I was very happy for him, but it sucks to lose. And, you know, I feel like when you win, you know, it's like, sweet, what an achievement to add to the resume. But when I lose, it's like well, what am I going to do that's bigger and better that's going to push me forward, that's going to put you on the podium or that's going to be like, yeah, I lost, but I'm actually doing this other thing. So sit on it. So I said to Todd, I'm going to start a podcast and I want you to come on it. And he texts me back and he goes, yeah, I'm actually starting a podcast and I was going to see if you wanted to come on it. And all I could think was like, sweet fucking losing to Pearson again. Like, how is this happening to me? So I grabbed a couple beers. I zip over to the shop and I'm like, we're sitting down and we're figuring this out. And he's like, yeah, I think our podcast is going to be like the same. And it was, we're going to invite small business owners on to talk about their business. And so he's like pitching me his podcast and I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. Okay. Okay. And he's like, so what's your podcast? And I was like, well, it's the same thing, but like the guest is going to bring me a drink. And he just looked at me and he's like, okay. And I'm like, and it's called drinks with, cause we're having drinks with different people. And he's like, okay, so why don't we just co-host it? Why don't we just do it together? And I was like, you know what, Todd, that's a great idea because you have all the equipment and I have all the ideas. 
And then that's just kind of how it was born. We're in our second season. We're recording our second season batch recording because trying to coordinate Kintor Coffee's schedule with Baron Fox with Todd Pearson and Erica Marchand's schedule, plus the guests, like it was just getting out of control. So we're batch recording season two. Uh, season one is available uh, everywhere where you can listen with your ear holes. That's where we are. We're hoping season two can start being released shortly, but it's been a fucking riot. Like it is so fun. I don't even know if it's work. <laughs> That's when you know that it's the right thing for sure. It when it's not yes. work, right? Yes. What's your advice to um, women entrepreneurs listening? I have a lot. So I'm in the middle of writing a speech. Uh, I'm a keynote speaker for the Ottawa Valley Women in Business event in May, and it has a lot of advice in it. If I had to boil it down to one thing, it would be focus on building a community because when shit goes sideways, then you've got some people who've got your back. And, you know, when you're building that community, it might seem like it's for free, but it will pay you back tenfold in ways that you will never expect. That is amazing advice. And is your event going to be virtual? It is in person, Shauna. I am so excited. I am. I know I am going to Petawawa six hours east of here and speaking to a room of business entrepreneurs, mostly women, I'm assuming women in business, but I'm so excited. I've never, this is my first like keynote speaking event and I'm just like jazzed on it. Like I think it's just going to be so cool. I would love to do more things like that in the future, but obviously my main focus is hustling all of these clothes. (laughs) I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours and I'm so excited for you for this keynote. Thank you so much for spending some time with me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. This was a damn hoot. Next time, uh, I'll bring you a drink. If you like this episode, please subscribe rate it and leave a review. It really helps others find us. Clearing a New Path podcast artwork is supported by the graphic design of Katie Wilhelm and the music branding is by Imagine Dev Studios. The podcast is produced by Radar Media in Temp Centre, Ontario. It is the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe, Haudenosaunee and neutral peoples who once used this land as their traditional beaver hunting grounds. The First Nations communities closest to this studio are Chippewa of the Thames First Nation, Oneida Nation of the Thames, Muncie, Delaware First Nation, and the Chippewas of Kettle and Stony Point. We will speak to many people across Turtle Island, and as a settler here, I'm committed to deepening understanding of Indigenous communities and reframing responsibilities to land and community. I am grateful to Mother Earth for the opportunity for love and connection, and to the spirits of the elders and the medicine people who still walk the earth. Until next time, 